This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 133. I want to take a moment right now to thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. So for this episode, I wanted to switch it up a little bit and give you a little bit of a rant. (laughs) Uh, about something that bugs me with camera companies. Now, as my listeners know, there are several big camera makers out there, but I want to rant a little bit about Canon and Fujifilm since they are the two companies whose uh, camera systems I currently use. Now, each of these camera companies make various models of cameras for uh, for their customers, but lately there's been a trend that kind of bugs me a bit. So why are these camera makers leaving GPS out of their camera bodies? Canon had the 6D, the 6D Mark II, the 5D Mark IV, and I'm not sure, I think the 5D Mark III as well. The 1DX line, all of those camera bodies had GPS units built into them. They had a GPS chip internally. But when Canon released their R bodies, the EOS R, the RP, the RA, the R5, and the R6, not a single one of these bodies had a GPS chip inside them. Now, Canon does at least give you the ability to use their as well as third-party GPS hot shoe units. So at least you can still get GPS for geotagging your images as you shoot. Now, the one I that Canon makes that I have is the GP-E2, and it's a great little GPS unit. It runs on a single AA battery. It can run for a long time on a single battery. And if you're somebody like me that uses the AnyLoop uh, rechargeable AA's and AAA's, then you're pretty much good to go. You can just have a, you know, buy a pack of four of those. They come with a charger. Actually, uh, most of the sets I bought were like 24 packs or 32 packs, and they came with the charger. Uh, so with that, I'm good to go. And you can set it to standard GPS mode, or you can set it to logging mode, where it geotags everything and writes all the data to a log file that you can later export. But why no GPS unit in these new R-body cameras? I mean, it's not like it's a cost savings thing when the, I mean, the EOS R when it first came out was, you know, $2,500. The 6D bodies were around 2K and they had GPS in them. Um, So I'm really baffled on that. Now, the EOS R5 retails for $3,800, just like the 5D Mark IV did when it first came out. The 5D Mark IV had GPS built in, and yet the R5 doesn't. And it just baffles me. I don't understand why Canon would leave such an important component out of the camera, especially for $3,800. 
It just, to me, it just doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, you know, it's what, a dollar or two at the most for the cost of a GPS chip to put it in the camera body. So, you know, it's not like they're getting tremendous cost savings uh, by leaving it out. And to be honest, it just pisses off a lot of us customers that they left it out. It just, it's just something that's baffling and to me makes absolutely no sense at all. Why not give the customer all of the possible tools you can in a single body. I mean, don't throw the kitchen sink in there. No, I understand there's certain technologies that Canon and Fuji and all these camera companies withhold from certain bodies, you know, depending on the price point they're selling them for and so on and so forth. I totally get that. I understand that 100%. You know, I'm not asking Canon to make every R body shoot AK video and 4K, you know, HD or HQ video, whatever the heck they want to call it. I'm not asking for that, but at least give us a lousy GPS chip in our cameras so that we can geotag our images. Now, again, I'm not beating up on Canon quite so badly in this episode because at least all of their cameras, at least to my knowledge, both DSLR and mirrorless, at least have the ability to talk to, to communicate with an external GPS unit that's mounted in the hot shoe. And you can get the Canon one, as I mentioned a little bit ago. That's the one I have. It's the GP-E2. And it costs a couple of hundred dollars because it's Canon's, of course. Uh, But there are third-party ones you can get on Amazon. I can't remember the names of any of them off the top of my head. But there's some good third-party ones on Amazon that you can buy for like 80 bucks. Um, and, And the thing is, it's not like Canon makes their... Uh, system fully proprietary when it comes to the GPS communications because I have tested the third-party GPS units and they do work as well as the Canon unit does. So it's not like Canon's locking it down and saying, you know, you can only use our GPS unit, you know, hot shoe mounted unit for 200 and some dollars. No, they give you, you know, a couple of different, a few different options, which is great. And that makes me absolutely thrilled. It makes me very happy, and it makes a lot of other shooters happy. Uh, but I just don't understand why they leave the GPS chip out of the camera itself. It just, to me, makes no sense at all. Okay, so now let's look at Fujifilm and their cameras. Now, for some reason, Fujifilm has never offered a camera with built-in GPS. Not a single one of the bodies that Fuji has ever manufactured has built-in GPS. It doesn't matter if you're talking about the XE line, the XT line, the GFX line. It doesn't matter. None of their cameras have ever been made with built-in GPS. Now, additionally, something that really pisses me off about Fuji is unlike Canon... They don't even give you the ability to use an external GPS unit mounted in the hot shoe. Fuji's excuse is, well, quote, well, you can pair your camera with your smartphone and geotag your images that way, end quote. (sighs) Now, why would I want to use my phone to geotag my photos? If I do that, even if it's using Bluetooth and not Wi-Fi, My camera battery still depletes faster, as does my smartphone battery. So how hard is it to put a GPS communication stack in the firmware 
to at least allow us to use third-party hot shoe mounted GPS units to give us that functionality. I mean, I've sent feedback to Fujifilm numerous times, as have a lot of other photographers asking for this to be included in future firmware updates, and our requests seem to fall on deaf ears. So we still have no ability to use an external GPS unit with any of the Fujifilm cameras. And to me, again, it's just absolutely baffling as to why Fuji would ask for feedback from their consumers, much like Sony and Canon and all the other manufacturers do. And you have a feature that thousands of photographers have sent in feedback reports and begged Fuji to include this in a future firmware update, and they just blow us off and totally ignore it. I mean, to me, it just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Now, I'm going to pause right here for a minute for a quick break, and then I'll be right back with you. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag liamphotopodcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. So continuing on my rant in this week's episode. Now, if you know anything about me, if you know me in real life, I'm a person who's not only been shooting for 30 years, I'm also a 30-year IT person. And I have degrees in computer science, specializing in programming. So I know for a fact it's not that hard to add the communication stack to the existing software, the existing firmware. Uh, they, Like I said, they already have part of the communication stack there for GPS, but they made it completely reliant on pairing it with the Fujifilm camera app on your smartphone. So I know darn well, because I am a programmer, it's not that hard to expand the GPS communication stack to allow the cameras to talk to third-party hot shoe-mounted GPS units. You know, if you're going to give us the ability to geotag with our phone, why not give us the ability to geotag with a hot shoe mounted Bluetooth unit or a, a, a hot shoe mounted GPS unit or even a, blue, a Bluetooth low power external GPS unit? That'd be great as well. Either one. And I, myself and everybody else would be very happy. So when I started looking at going to mirrorless medium format, and I knew I wanted to get a medium format camera for a long time. It's just the problem is, uh, unless you want to shoot medium format film, the digital medium format cameras are ridiculously expensive. I mean, you've got the Hasselblads that run anywhere from, you know, $20,000 up to $100,000 plus. You have the Phase 1 cameras. Yeah, um, you can go to Phase 1's website and you can pick up a used digital medium format system for like $10,000. And if you're lucky, you might get one lens with it for that price. Um but when I first started looking at me, mirrorless medium format, uh, I was looking at both Hasselblad and Fujifilm. 
Now, I've shot with both Fuji and Canon cameras for most of the 30 years I've been shooting. So I knew Fujifilm would be a great system. But I did also consider the X1D 50C Mark II from Hasselblad, mostly because it had built-in GPS. But since the Hassi was out of my price range at $10,000 for just the body, I opted to go with the GFX 50R. Now, I, don't get me wrong, I understand that, you know, the Hasselblad at $10,000, that's that's pretty pricey, and Hasselblad's lenses aren't cheap either. And Fuji had more options at the time I was looking to go to medium format mirrorless. They already had released the 50S, then they released the 50R and the GFX100. Now, yeah, the GFX100 is $10,000, like the X1D 50C Mark II was when it was released, <laughs> the huge difference was the Hasselblad might have had built-in GPS, but it was the same 51.4 megapixels as my as the GFX 50R and 50S, where if you went Fujifilm and you wanted to spend $10,000, you could get 102 million, uh, megapi- 102 megapixel medium format mirrorless sensor in the GFX 100. So to me, that would be a no brainer. If you're going to drop 10 grand, you might as well get the camera. That's got double the sensor resolution, especially if you're somebody that wants to get massive detail in your shots, or you're somebody that gets paid for massive, uh, prints that are going to be turned into billboards and stuff like that. Um, then, you know, that's, I mean, that's just a no brainer. Now I absolutely love my 50R. Don't get me wrong. I can make amazing images with this camera. I just don't understand Fujifilm's total refusal to give us the ability to at least use an external GPS unit. Even Fuji's $10,000 GFX 100 does not have GPS built in nor does the new GFX 100S. It just absolutely baffles me that they would leave it out of even their highest end cameras. It's just, uh, I don't know what they're thinking at Fujifilm headquarters in Japan. I just don't get it. I mean, what is so hard about spending, like I said, another dollar or two to put a GPS chip in the bloody camera, or at least have your developers expand the the communication stack and the firmware so we can use an external hot shoe or Bluetooth uh, GPS unit. I mean, come on, let's get with the times, people. Now, I know some people are going to say, quote, well, why do you need a GPS unit in your camera? We never had GPS in our cameras in the film days. Well, of course we didn't. And I can understand where you're coming from. But I'm working on two massive documentary projects. And in these projects, I'm traveling to every county in the state of Georgia, as well as the state of Pennsylvania. And I'm photographing as many abandoned small business buildings and factories as I can find. Now, it makes my life a million times easier when I'm shooting all day, every day. And during the summer months, when I can get... 12 plus hours of daylight, I can do a lot of shooting in a single day. It just makes my life easier if I can geotag all of the buildings that I photograph in these projects. Now, right now, in order to do that, I have to carry both my Fujifilm camera and one of my Canon cameras. 
The Fuji, of course, I use for my super high-quality images of the buildings. And I use my Canon with its external GP-E2 to geotag my images so I can look up their locations in maps later. It makes it easy to recall where I was when I shot the images, and it makes it easier to reach out to the county historical societies, societies to get more information on these buildings if I can send them a thumbnail-sized version of the image, and it's got the geotagging you know, embedded in the EXIF, so they can open it up in maps, and bam, they know exactly where the building is in their county, and then they can hopefully give me more information on that building. Now, I'm not just going to pick on Fuji and Canon this week. Uh, I'm picking on them, like I said, because I shoot with both their systems. I don't shoot with Nikon or Sony, so I don't know how many of their cameras. I, I believe all of Nikon and Sony's cameras at least have external GPS support built into their firmware. Um, and I know some of each of those manufacturers' cameras, I believe, do have GPS chips in them. So, But I'm not going to knock on them because I don't use their cameras. So the second part of my rant this week related to GPS is the bone I have to pick with Capture One and the way they handle geotag data. Now, Capture One's software does accommodate geotag data, but they don't allow me the ability to sync that data from one raw file to another like Adobe Lightroom does. In Adobe Lightroom, I can import all of my Canon RAW files and all of my Fuji RAW files that I shoot of these buildings. And the can like I said, the Canon RAW files have the geotag, geotag information embedded in them. And you know, I can just look at the, the single Canon RAW file, look at the Fuji file, I can highlight both of them in Lightroom, and I can say sync, and I can tell it to include syncing the GPS data, and then bam, then my Fuji RAW files have the GPS location data as well. So that part is great. But I've been trying to get away from Adobe software because of the fact that I don't like paying the subscription. Now, I know a lot of software companies have gone to the subscription model, and it just makes more sense for them because they make more money that way. Uh, because the software is more affordable than it was when it was a perpetual license, and Photoshop would cost you, you know, $700 to $1,800, depending on the kind of licensing you needed or what have you. So, but I also prefer to use Capture One because Capture One does a better job of uh, displaying Fujifilm RAW files, you know, the way they're supposed to be. In other words, uh, Capture One has a much tighter relationship with Fujifilm than Adobe does, so Capture One software renders Fuji RAW files a lot better than Adobe Lightroom does. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why I prefer to use Capture One. Um, now, again, because my Fujifilm camera cannot use an external GPS, I've got to get the data off the Canon RAW files. But the problem is, in Capture One, they don't give you the ability to sync that data. I can't select one of my Canon RAW files and the accompanying Fuji RAW file and then tell Capture One to sync the, geo the geotagging data in the EXIF section from the Canon RAW file over to the Fuji RAW file. I have no idea why Capture One doesn't give you that ability, but they don't. 
Now, before you flame me in the comments, I know there are other ways to get the geotag data from the Canon RAW files to my Fuji RAW files, but that adds more steps, more complexity to the entire workflow process. Additionally, the only way that works accurately is if the GPS unit and the GFX 50Rs time, you know, their internal clocks are totally in sync. Now, I just want the ability to get my geotag data directly into my Fujifilm RAW files quickly and easily because it just makes more sense from a workflow standpoint. And until that happens on Fujifilm's side, which means it'll probably be a cold day in hell before it ever happens, if I'm lucky, maybe Capture One will come to the rescue first. I've submitted support tickets and feedback to both companies uh, requesting this feature, uh, but so far, no dice. Uh, but we'll have to just sit back, I guess, and wait and see what happens as we're going forward. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, so that is going to wrap up episode 133 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. I also wanted to remind you to stop by on YouTube and check out the Liam Photography YouTube channel. I was calling it Aperture Assassin, but I decided to change it to Liam Photography instead. Um, you can watch my videos on there. I've got some reviews on different lenses and, and stuff like that on there, as well as some photography tips and hints and other things on there. Um, and I'm going to keep adding more content to that channel. You can also check out the Liam, uh, or I mean the uh, Forgotten Pieces of Georgia and Forgotten Pieces of Pennsylvania channels on YouTube. I'll include a link to all of the YouTube channels in the show notes so that you can check them out for yourself. Please be kind enough to watch some of the videos, like, share, subscribe, hit the little bell icon so you can be notified when new videos drop. And also, if you're interested, the first copy or the first book in my Forgotten Pieces of Georgia series is out, as I tell my listeners in every episode, The Forgotten Pieces of Georgia in the Northwest Counties is now available. You can stop by and get a signed copy at the Liam Photography by going to liamphotography.net, the online store there. If you are a member of the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group, I posted a discount code in there where you can get $5 off on a signed copy from the liamphotography.net online store. Or if you prefer an unsigned copy, you can find those at amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. All right, that is it, everybody. I want to thank you once again, and I will see you all again in another seven days.